0: We all misbehave sometimes, want to change the world, indulge in some bad
1: behaviour. Hello and welcome to Bad Behaviour. My name is Nicola.
0: And I'm Rosalind. And could you tell me how you've been bad this week, Rosalind? Okay, so Nikki, I've been thinking. We have spoken to some pretty incredible women throughout the last few episodes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely we started with sam jones from smutbuttons.com and we talked about sex education how do we communicate sex some of the mechanical knowledge that we didn't know i mean we learned so much through that and i was thinking about how we continue that discussion because i felt like we did talk a little bit about pleasure but i feel like we didn't really further the discussion about embodiment and i feel like that's a weird thing to say but embodiment for me is like i can academically know how to communicate about sex and i can talk about sex ed and what the perfect sex ed would be but actually bringing it into my own body and pleasure is such a foreign concept to me it's not something i talk about very often and it's a discussion that i don't know if we've ever had
1: No, I think that's super interesting. I think Sam spoke a lot about like the ways that we talk about sex and how and the language we use and like the stigma associated with it. But there's definitely a huge piece in there that we just slightly touched on that is about, you know, actually enjoying sex and like deriving pleasure from it, which is kind of a cornerstone when you talk about sex and it's weird to talk about pleasure is such I mean for me at least it's there's definitely so much weirdness in my head associated with like openly speaking about the things that I like when it comes to sex or what gives me joy,
0: yeah, absolutely I feel like you know we can talk till the cows come home about what. The stigma is, and how you know consent and issues like that that are kind of a little bit more intellectual. Whereas pleasure is so is so much about your own body. It's so much about connecting to that. It's kind of I don't have the vocabulary for that discussion. Yeah, absolutely. And
1: I mean, for me, I don't even think there it's necessarily not an intellectual discussion either because there's so much um, history about how women's pleasure has been policed and suppressed and systematically kind of kept from us in a lot of ways. I'm super interested in it too. And I think you're right. We speak to such cool women. Every single guest is a goddamn queen and I am in awe. And even I think with our last episode, Karen kind of called us to action about interrogating what's happening inside our bodies a little bit and making space to to think about the things that we kind of just do on autopilot which I think for me that kind of has a couple of parallels to the pleasure conversation so I'm interested to talk about this with you and to learn from our wonderful guest this week.
0: Vanessa Meridian is a sexologist, yoga facilitator, and the founder of Mia Muse. She works with women to cultivate healthier relationships with themselves and their pleasure, inspiring them to embrace sensuality and vitality in their everyday lives. She uses yoga, meditation, and her sexology to nurture women to connect to themselves wholly and deeply, and has done so for over 10 years.
2: My name is Vanessa Meradian. I am a sexologist and have probably been identifying as a sexologist. I finished my studies in 2011 and I did my postgraduate in sexology, for those wondering. I'm the founder of a business called Me Amuse, and I've been doing that uh, since about 2008. When I think back on it, I guess when I was in my teens, I kind of wanted to just start a magazine for young for teens like myself that was real and authentic and not just I think at that point it was Girlfriend and Dolly and then you know the next level of magazines which yeah none of them really spoke to me I felt at that time so there was like a lot of love for women and just girls in general I guess my whole life my mum died when I was younger and she told me to be a good friend to women. So I think I just hung on to that and was like, I will be the greatest of friend to all women, as many women as possible. Essentially, I went to a fuck-aware party many years ago, uh, a Tupperware party for sex toys, if we have to beep that word out. And it was a lot of fun and I just thought, oh, my God, I could do this and I could do it in a way that was, you know, I thought it was such a great opportunity to talk about sex and release a bit of stigma and shame associated with it and that wasn't necessarily happening. But I noticed that everyone at the party was so ready and, and raring to chat, as most people still are as soon as I tell them I'm a sexologist it's kind of the floodgates open and an hour and a half two hours later I'm like okay I've got to go home now Uh, (laughs) and the party is was long over but no you know people just love to talk sex and it's funny that it's just the permission that you need to give them and so and I thought what a great way to give people permission and to run sex toy parties that were fun and not so you know, seedy and at that point there were toys on the market that were beautiful and well made but they weren't so accessible to to people. It was still kind of the the rabbit vibrator made with terrible plastic and batteries and you'd have to run into those shops off, you know, like, What's the, what are they? The Club X, which I did, you know, late at night with my girlfriends 2am and the guy behind the counter's smoking and there's an ashtray on the floor, you know, those metal ones, I just remember. And you're kind of dodging all the toys while you're trying to get a good look, but also feeling pretty scared by some of the the, the packaging, really. So yeah, I was like, I can do this and I want to talk to women and I want to connect you know, what I've worked out in the past little bit is that I want to teach people about love and connection to themselves so that they can feel that all around them in the world and in relationships. So yeah, it started with sex toys because that was the most freaky area and the most stigmatized kind of space. And so I was like, I can talk about I can talk about sex and I can do it in a way that is safe and fun. And so Mia Muse was born. I love yoga and spirituality and I thought that yoga was an amazing kind of add-on and a reason for me to do my teacher training, that it was such a good way for me to get into my body and to connect Essentially, that made me a better lover and more comfortable in my sexuality. So I was like, all right, there's something in this. And that's when I started offering sensual yoga and pleasure workshops that had another embodiment element as opposed to just sex education or pleasure education. And here I am.
0: And here you are. <laughs> that's probably some of the best advice I've ever heard. Just be a friend to women. Like, that's so beautiful.
2: Yeah, it's... um. It's a nice one to kind of come back to and and remember. And now it's like, you know, women is such a broad term and an inclusive term for kind of gender isn't so black and white. And more and more I realise how important this conversation is for everybody, men, women and non-binary and trans and all sorts of people, all of us.
0: I remember, you know, back when I was, when I just turned 18, I remember my first experience with sex toys was going into one of those typical CD sex toy stores with one of my friends and we were so embarrassed and nervous and I remember, <laughs> I remember what that was like. I think a fuck away party would have been much better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it's super interesting to hear about the start of Mia Muse. Hearing about how she first was dealing with sex toys in Mia Muse and how it grew from there kind of reminded me of my first experience with sex toys and encountering them.
2: Yeah, it's kind
0: of a a cute (laughs) little, I mean cute, yeah, cute little subject. I remember because I had just turned 18 and I had never gone into a sex toy store. and my friend and I thought it would be kind of fun, you know, to be a bit crazy and wild and walk into <laughs> this store. Uh, so we went in the middle of the day and we walked in and there was- Very bold. Oh gosh. It was it was kind of this run of the mill, like dirty. <laughs> I, and I mean that in unclean, not, not dirty as in shameful, but <laughs> it was this- gotcha. <laughs> dirty little store and this guy was leaning on the counter staring at us the whole time and i had fits of giggles every 3 minutes and we were looking at you know dildos and vibrators and everything was just so out of the blue and crazy and wild and i was like oh my gosh people use this how how bizarre how insane how out of out of the corners of society i don't know it was so, it's kind of funny looking back at how taboo it was in my own head that I could, you know, I could never tell anyone we'd gone and it was this secret little thing we did together. Um, And I remember my friend was so blasé about it as well. And she went up and she looked at one of the videos and said, look at this. And I looked at it and it was a a gay film. And at the time, you know, dealing with my own queer awakening, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, the guy at the counter is looking at us. (laughs) What will he think? Um, And it's just kind of interesting how much it has changed because now, I've had open conversations with friends about sex toys and how that shouldn't be stigmatized and how, you know, when talking about female pleasure, we should be more open about using them and talking about them. Um, but it's kind of cute to look back at my 18 year old self, her first foray into that world. Yeah,
1: that is so interesting. I think it's almost otherworldly, right? Like you giggle because it's so far out of your scope of understanding and like there's always every time anyone spoke about sex growing up it was like in a hushed voice or like, you know, there would be people would always turn bright red or there was some like you know gross PE teacher like stumbling on his words so yeah it's only natural that you react in that way i never had like a teenage growing up sex store moment i just always knew that like i i don't remember distinctly being taught this but i had a rule that like that wasn't a place for me you know like not to go in stores like that it wasn't it wasn't appropriate or it was like gross and, and not a nice place to be. So one of my first experiences was with this like wonderful, feminist, really like sex positive store um in New York City called Babeland and I'd been like following them on Instagram for a while and I'd like finally got the courage up to go in with one of my friends. It always seems to be an activity best done with friends. <laughs> <laughs> at least the first time. <laughs> it's, you know, it's a little bit overwhelming at first if you're new to that kind of world, but all the people working in the store were so kind and they like helped me buy a vibrator and bought one that like fit my, you know, needs. Like I told them what I was looking for and they matched me with one so it felt very, you know, the one chooses the wizard <laughs> and it was just like
0: wonderful. That's so crazy. Even now, I'm like, oh, my God, it had an Instagram. Oh, my God, you talked to someone? (laughs) Even now.
1: There's still, I think, those seedy sex stores that are from your story, like they definitely still are the majority, right? Like you go down a lot of busy city streets and you'll see the, you know, the peak, what what are they called, peak shows? Peep shows peep shows. Peep show is cute too. Um you'll see like advertisings for those. There's also this huge movement of like female owned businesses that are really catered towards the experience of making buying sex toys and buying you know, stuff to use in bed a lot easier. It's delightful. It truly is.
0: <laughs> well, it's, it's as Vanessa was saying, you know, when she started, it was risque. It was this crazy thing and, and it was, you know, kind of the edges of society. She was doing it because of that sort of taboo nature and then now it's so different.
1: I still think there's definitely taboo and stigma attached. It's just kind of...
0: We've got a way to go.
1: Yeah, it's changed its form. I think we've been lucky because we have both grown up just when, you know, when we were becoming sexually active, it was kind of like this sex positive movement was happening alongside it as well. So that's been, you know, very delightful. But You know, when it all comes down to it, I think the moral of both of our stories is like, talk to your friends. You know, if you need a vibrator, ask your friend, be like, hey, what vibrator do you use? Do you rate it? You know, because that both of our experiences had good pals in tow, and that's what made it, you know, fun and enjoyable and not like, you know, shame ridden and intense.
0: Yeah, regardless of how much of that experience I felt at the time it was this taboo thing, now I look back and laugh because it's a cute memory. That's great.
1: Yeah, oh, friendship. It just, Aww. it truly is the best.
2: <laughs> <laughs> People are looking for, I think, regardless of how kind of confident we may feel, most women in particularly feel curious and nervous and lack confidence and really about their bodies, their vulvas, their pussies, as is my hot term at the moment, and And just, yeah, feeling confident and there's so much but thinking about the women that come to see me one-on-one and generally that's like a loss of libido, a lack of desire for sex, uh, painful sex, not orgasming with a partner as opposed to some women can orgasm easily on their own but not with a partner. Some women don't orgasm at all. Some women are curious about the pleasure they've experienced and if it's orgasm. People have experienced assault or abuse when they were younger and and just kind of wanting to reclaim and find their power that is always within them, but sometimes misnamed or handed over and, and never reclaimed. So there are so many things, but there's often like essentially quite simple answers or common answers really that are around embodiment and loving ourselves and defiantly loving ourselves
0: defiantly loving ourselves i like that a lot that's very cool
2: (laughs) yeah it's a big one in the past six months for me it's just like it's defiance and i think i've heard esther perel use it if you want to have a fuller experience of your own sexuality and if you want to love yourself better but it just feels so foreign or or far away you have to just be choosing it in every moment choosing to love yourself choosing to say I am this as opposed to I am that and it's becoming aware and then making these small changes often that bring us into that fuller experience which is never ending you literally have to tell the voice that says oh like look at that bit of for me my stomach hanging this way or rolling that way or you know and I'm like oh girlfriend like you know calm down don't talk to yourself like that your body is beautiful and strong and juicy and it's all good
0: why do you think it is that we need to reconnect with buddies? Do you think that there's something um around sort of taboos around female pleasure or if it's something else or
2: how we're taught about sex maybe? As a society as a human race I think we are we don't value body intelligence and or we haven't we've only really valued kind of the cognition and the thoughts you know we receive so much help for the mind but when we think about our bodies and the illnesses and the diseases that show up there and particularly for women cis women's bodies we have all sorts of womb illnesses that western medicine you know can't explain they just treat the symptoms of and i think actually that's because we put our bodies into this patriarchal system that is like very linear 9 to 10 p.m. or 9 to 5 p.m. and you show up every day and you work like this but a cis woman's body is cyclical, very cyclical in nature, and we. And now, as we become aware of the cycle and how to connect to our bodies and listen to the wisdom that is happening in each part of a, say, a twenty-eight day cycle, that some days we need to rest, and some days we need to uh, reflect, and some days we are more able to communicate effectively, and some days we are primed for the to-do list. And I think if we You know, listen to our bodies more, we will not see so much illness. One of my friends says that the cycle is the best built in life coach. And I, agree with that, hence why I say it. I see a lot of people, you know, are like, my libido's gone, you know, as we get a little bit older, like early 20s, it's kind of discovering your, your body and your sexuality and whoa, your pleasure and hey, that's allowed, great. And then you might have a great time having all this, you know, sex and awakening to it and then coupled with a working life and, you know, wanting to succeed in that way. And I feel like that's my whole 30s, a whole nother decade of then learning to care for my body. And essentially, libido is life force and vitality. So when people are like, my libido is low, it's like, well, how is your life force? How is your vitality? And so then you can directly kind of correlate that to stress personally, I realized I love my life, but I was surviving every day. And I'm like, what is this? I, I want to feel joy moment to moment living this luscious life that I've created, but yet I'm exhausted and on the verge of burnout, you know, not now, but <laughs> last year. And so, you know, I have to look at that. What am I doing wrong? And it's, and it's all of these kinds of things we're touching on here. But just in general, you ask people, it's like they want an orgasm and it's like, well, have you said hello to your vagina or your sexuality all week and how do you expect it to just in an instant just turn on for you? So... You know, when you're in bed and someone else is there and you've gotta get it on and then you've got to come and or orgasm like fifteen, twenty minutes later. It's like uh uh, uh. we gotta be talking to your pussy, to your genitals, to your body all day long, all week long. And it can be really simple, but we just don't have the we're not talking about that.
0: No, that makes sense. It's like you said, we, we schedule everything and we we're trying to fit it into you know, nine to five days and all of that. And then you're going, hey, let's, (laughs) this is our, this is our romantic and sexual time right now. (laughs) You've
2: got 15 minutes. (laughs) Let's sort it out. (laughs) Yeah. Respond, body respond, turn on, turn on, turn on. But that's why every day needs to be a turn on and not like always erotically, but always pleasurably. Like we should be feeling pleasure in our bodies all day long.
0: Body intelligence. Um, I thought that was really interesting. I don't think I've ever heard that term before.
2: Great. I'm glad that I could share something new with you.
0: A lot of the time when we have conversations about sex or pleasure, shame comes into it so inextricably, you know. How do you kind of navigate that sort of the the shame spiral stuff that might come up with people talking to you? I look at shame
2: through the body, I guess. I I link what's happening in the story that may carry the shame for the person and how they are feeling in their body real time. That's what we do in the session. But obviously talking as well, writing, any sort of, so if you look at talking and writing and movement and even just being seen and witnessed by a therapist, it's all about flow and movement. To even talk creates flow. To write creates flow and movement. Dance to move. So with shame, it's something we obviously want to often, like the physical experience of, and move people into that easier state of being because shame has a similar response in the body to thing that causes contraction so essentially shame is a micro like stress response and that is already in the body and that the more that we shame ourselves for it the stronger that that equal response or that physiological response or biological as well becomes so the more that we try to shift that experience in the body and that's where body intelligence and body plasticity and body rewiring are all even more so the body mind as one not separate that we we work like that that we want to create openness and and softness in the the stories in the mind and softness and openness in the body's response to those stories so that's how I do it
0: Yeah, I was so intrigued by this idea. I had never heard the idea of body intelligence before. And it's kind of interesting because I wanted to continue the conversation with you, Nikki, but I don't really have any anecdotes or any deep thoughts around this because I feel like it's still a kind of alien concept to me that, you know, the idea of being able to be really embodied in yourself and kind of listen to your body and what it's telling you and be okay and comfortable in your own pleasure and not be worrying about, you know, your thighs or your tummy or whatever it is and just experience pleasure and sensuality and listen to your body and be embodied and connected. That's, I mean, it sounds simple, but I don't really think I've I've gone on a journey far enough yet <laughs> to even know how to start. A conversation about body intelligence, really. And I really
1: identify with the detachment a little bit as well because I think, you know, it's been so wonderful speaking to you and hearing Vanessa speak as well. But there is, for me, kind of like a feeling if I like went really deep down that like this is not for me almost, you know, like really... Yeah, I would say there's definitely something there whether it's, you know, me believing stuff that I've been taught all my life or that I've been exposed to that has kind of like separated me from pleasure almost. I remember learning about it when I did my undergraduate degree in women's studies. I remember learning I had this sex and sexuality class with this really wonderful teacher who had written this book called The Clitoral Truth which is such a good name but that was like one of the first times that I'd ever been asked to consider enjoying sex or enjoying enjoying like sensations that was in you know late in college too and I think that's that's kind of confronting when you realize that because you realize that You know, at that point I'd been sexually active for like three years or something and you realise that all that time you've kind of been having sex like for the other person instead of yourself or like for me a key reflection of my life and one that we've spoken about a lot in our friendship and something that I think you've helped me work through too is just like, you know, I think a lot of the times for me sex was just literally about um feeling pretty and feeling like acceptable you know socially acceptable so it yeah it feels really really good to like have these conversations that kind of reclaim space in a way because we may not have embodied completely the things that Vanessa is speaking about but we can understand them and I think we can start to figure out the why. Like, why do we feel weird talking about this? How can we, how can it drop into our everyday lives? So there's hope. I i am hopeful.
0: <laughs> uh, no, absolutely. I think it's it's exactly what Vanessa was talking about with what she does in her work. I think these these considerations that we have about, you know, why can't we talk about this, why, even why we decided to do an episode on pleasure in the first place and delve into this subject, you know, everything is connected. Vanessa talks about how vitality and libido and life force, they're all connected and all of these ideas. And I feel like there's a whole spectrum of things that I still have to explore and understand. And maybe it will take a little bit of time and maybe I've got to go to one of her pleasure weekends (laughs) and go deeper into it.
1: (laughs) A key reflection for me from this conversation as well is I think I've always thought of pleasure as something that you need like a partner to have you know and I've never been in a long-term relationship so that's not something that I have any experience with so that's, I just had that little epiphany then. That's maybe why it's felt kind of like it's not for me, you know, it's not something that's available to me because I've just, I've really considered it in the black and white terms of like, you are with a person, they give you pleasure and that's it, <laughs> you know.
0: Wow. Yeah, because you're you're kind of looking at, at this as, well, that's not a personal journey I can go in. I've got to... I've got to outsource it in a way. Exactly,
1: which is not true. Wow. That's interesting, right, isn't
0: it? I had not made the connection. I was just thinking, you know, I think, <laughs> I mean, revelation. I I think that the reason that I haven't really thought about this as much is that, you know, it's, it's like Vanessa was saying, I've kind of scheduled it. It's like pleasure is something I think about in one box. It's the sex box and it doesn't really touch the other aspects of my life. That word and that connection to body doesn't touch other aspects. It's not like I'm going about my day sort of encountering it. (laughs) And so why would I have a journey about it? Because I've already sort of decided to talk about sex and be more open about it and more, you know, sex positive. So maybe I felt like I was already having that journey when actually this is this is a separate thing that's connected to a lot of other aspects of life and to embodiment, then maybe I really understood. You know what's
1: so interesting, Rosalind, is you had pretty much that exact same reflection when we were having conversations with Karen about the stigma of periods. Like it's it's like the whole, you know, autopilot, like just going through the motions and not actually – connecting and like being really present. Yeah. I don't mean to therapize you, but maybe that's
0: (laughs) (laughs) welcome to bad behavior therapy session. (laughs) Yeah. I might just
1: want to make a little note of that in your diary.
0: Yeah. No, that's so fun. That's so interesting. And I think your reflection about, you know, pleasure as something that is given to you by someone else rather than something that you can sort of explore yourself. That's kind of great. What a great place to start. It's
1: You know, the word empowering has kind of lost its touch for me as like a bitter. It's lost its power. Yeah, as you know, it's so overused and I'm a bit of a bit of feminist at times, but I will say this, it is kind of empowering because it's like claiming back something that I didn't think was for me, but it is okay. And I'm the only person who said that it isn't. So it's very easy to to kind of grab that back.
0: Take it back.
1: Yes, you just witnessed history right there. So <laughs> I've taken it back. It's in my hands and boy, yeah. oh boy. This
0: moment will have a full chapter in your memoir at the Ooh. age of 85 when you write it.
1: Oh my God, yes. <laughs> I, and I have to come up with a title that's as good as the clitoral truth <laughs> because- Well, uh, as long
0: as it's not menstruation-nation now.
1: Okay, enough. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sometimes you want to talk about all these things and it's it's little key terms that you need because you don't have the vocabulary to express the ideas. So I I wondered if you could tell me, thank you. (laughs) I wondered if you could tell me a bit about the difference between sexuality and sensuality and pleasure and sort of
2: those terms. And I've been thinking about this a bit lately because I use them quite interchangeably. And I think that can be a bit confusing for some people. And if they've got the hours for me to explain what I mean, then it's okay. But generally people don't. So thanks for asking. (laughs) Sexuality is more, has that erotic edge to it. So I did have this kind of, I guess, little equation that embodiment and presence equal sensuality and that sensuality is a gateway to healthy sexuality. So none of them refer to pleasure. Pleasure probably its own little thing. But yeah, sexuality, sensuality is like for me, the beginning, it is foreplay. When we are attuned to our senses, we are present in our bodies, in our yeah, energy body, physical body, emotional body as well, and particularly present to that very moment. One of which then allows us to check in, And often if we can attune to the senses from here, this is kind of like that place in the nervous system of rest and digest. Like when you are present, you're generally kind of in a balanced being. And from there we can turn on and we can arouse. That's where I guess sexuality comes in when we feel that state of arousal and yearn for a deeper connection, I guess. I think sexuality, because I don't want to limit it to just the genitals. So when you kind of say, oh, yeah, that would be when you're turned on, but you can use that sexual energy or that energy that's cultivated in the genitals, say, or the lower parts of your body, and you can move it through the rest of your body. And that would be using sexual vitality to expand your state of being. And so I guess, yeah, we'll come back to sexuality being that desire for some sort of sexier edge or like deeper connection sensuality a gateway to it and awakening to your senses and a real present state and pleasure just being anytime you notice joy or that giddiness of delight
0: you've said before that you can sort of connect sensuality through lots of different activities like cooking and dancing and things like that
2: yeah well i guess that is kind of a beautiful lead on from just being attuned to your senses. And for me, I kind of, in describing that now, it makes me want to say like when we slow down and notice. And so sensuality can, of course, be while you're cooking, like there's an element of, of the mind, kind of the, the analytic mind or the judgment of the mind slowing down where you're consumed by the act of what you're doing when you cook. And that can be a really um, visceral experience through touch, through smell, through taste. Uh, so that's why it's definitely sensual. Noticing the sun on your skin, noticing the breeze also on your skin. And then when you move in nature, you can also play with those senses as well on your skin and in your body also with dance just kind of getting your mind out of the way and allowing your body to move intuitively it's um really powerful sexuality because you want to be just intuitively moving the whole time so yes yeah, so many things like if you're in the forest smelling you know eucalyptus can be really or i find it hugely sensual and just reinvigorating and it's just like for me that feeling of aliveness is really interchangeable with good sex
0: So I loved what Vanessa was talking about with, you know, sensuality in everyday life, being attuned to our senses and using that to tap into our bodies and become more connected to our bodies and therefore, you know, have better pleasure and better sex that's great. That's a great outcome. So I decided to test it out a little bit and sort of try and practice it just in everyday life and be more aware of sensuality. I thought that could be really cool.
1: So I love how you've become our little DIY woman, you know.
0: (laughs) I'm the guinea pig of this series. Uh, It reminds
1: (laughs) me of 10 Things I Hate About You, you know, how she writes that column where she tries out all new things. That's who you are. You're Kate Hudson right now.
0: I think you mean, don't you mean um, t- uh, 10 day? how to lose a guy in 10 days? Yes,
1: that's what I mean. Oh my gosh, I was so confused. 10 things I heard about you, gosh, what am I doing? There's no one in there like I'm describing.
0: <laughs> I'm mean, I love that these are quite old references as well.
1: Well, they're pretty niche, but. I mean, if people don't get them, then they should have a, a strong look at themselves and maybe go rewatch some classics. Okay. Yeah. Back to you. Go and watch those two
0: films. <laughs> right. Well, I've taken on the mantle. I'm happy to try things out. I think. I think it's kind of fun. So recently I've started running and exercise and me are not friends, but I've started running. I did an app called Couch to 5K. I definitely recommend it. And I realized sort of halfway through that I wasn't breathing correctly, uh, which was why it was so hard. <laughs> I have asthma and that just exacerbated it. And so I started really concentrating on my breath. And that really helped with running. And I mentioned this to Vanessa and it was really interesting because she was like, you know, that's linked to sex. Like, come on, (laughs) breath. We can do lots of exercises around that. But it got me thinking, you know, how how can I start practicing this everyday sensuality, thinking about things like, breath and breathing in and being in touch with my body and the senses. So I did that a couple of times out on my runs. When I was concentrating on my breath, I would think about what my body was doing and sort of be more in touch with it. And, you know, after I finished my run, I would be thinking, what am I smelling? What am I seeing? What does my skin feel like? And I've only done it a few times, (laughs) so I'm not going to say it's changed my life, but it was pretty great. It just made the experience of being outside especially in lockdown let's be honest it's been it's been a bit of a trial staying inside so really being aware of myself outside was actually a really beautiful experience and i think it is slowly changing a little bit of my relationship to my body around around that time i used to think of going out and running as this kind of chore that I had set myself. I'm very goal orientated. So getting to the end of that app that I was doing is sort of, that's it. And now there's another goal. And that goal is to listen to my own body and sort of be present in the experience, which sounds so basic, but it really isn't. When you think about it, we really don't do it that often. That, the getting in
1: touch with your senses exercise is like step one, that most therapists will tell you when dealing with an anxiety attack or when you have a panic attack. The amount of times I've been told to take like a meditative walk where you articulate how your skin feels, you talk about what you can smell. And it always, always helps, you know, because it gets you out of the sometimes dangerous patterns in your head and like moves you more outward. And that's really really releasing sometimes so it doesn't surprise me at all that that's linked to pleasure you know because it is such a pleasure to not be anxious isn't
0: it (laughs) (laughs) no but it's true that you know just being present in your body rather than overthinking your mind that's not a new concept but for me the new concept was linking it to sex and pleasure that was kind of where the disconnect was because you know it's as Vanessa was saying you how can you expect to be in touch with yourself in a sex situation if you haven't talked to your buddy through the rest of the day it you know do you suddenly switch on and that's it you're raring to go it doesn't work that way and so just those little moments of awareness when you have the time can be incredible and and help with your sex life
1: i love essential oils so much. I feel like an absolute witch, like blending them all together and like making up my own little potions for everything that's going on in my life. I would say for me, like smell is a key part of sensual process as well, because even just to mark like the time of my day too you know like I put my candle on before I start work and that scent kind of marks that I need to focus and like concentrate and then you know I have a pillow spray and lavender before I go to sleep like all these little things that are like markers of of the different like ebbs and flows of time wow (laughs) look at me go I sound like a a spiritual guru right now (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, I am going to challenge you then. Okay. I'm going to challenge you to do a few pelvic floor lifts while you're breathing deeply into some of these smells you enjoy and see what happens. See, that is so
1: exciting for me because I want to make like a new essential oil blend just for my pelvic floor exercises. Because when you like, I'm just starting my journey with essential oils as well. And when you start to learn about them, like so many.
0: (laughs) Your journey with essential oils. Don't laugh at (laughs) me. It is my journey
1: because I I have my little book that I write down all my blends in and like what works, what doesn't work. Give us
0: a blend. Well, because I like Lang Lang and Orange Blossom. Should I actually get my book and tell you one really quick? Just tell me one really quickly. We better recommend something now that you've told us that you're an expert in essential oils and you're on a journey. I feel like our listeners deserve a recommendation. I
1: never said expert. Those are words that you've put into my mouth. I am not a self-proclaimed... What is an
0: expert but someone who has gone through and built an incredible array of scents and smells? (laughs) Okay, well, in that context,
1: then I'll accept the label. Um, (laughs) What I was going to say is that When, what, no recommendation? I'll give you one. Just let me finish my sentence. Gosh, (laughs) so needy. What I was going to say was um, when you're learning about them at the beginning and like going through them all individually, like a lot of them have pleasure attached to them. Like a lot of them are for different parts, you know, different erotic. (laughs) meanings you know like therefore to smell during sex or therefore when you're masturbating or therefore you know getting people excited like that's literally a lot of the time what some of the essential oils are I never really connected the dots and that is so cool
0: Here's a way for you to do it in your life. I've discovered that it works when I'm exercising. Maybe you'll discover this is the way to, to help yourself be more connected to your body. That's so fun.
1: We're coming into winter in Australia. How about I give you a classic no-nonsense blend for a cold that's you know, feels really good, smells excellent and will definitely help you out. So if you mix vanilla, myrrh, eucalyptus and lemon – You've got yourself a winner right there. Honestly, hit me up if you want a little vial, guys. Just send us a DM on Instagram. (laughs) Maybe I'll start an essential oil side hustle alongside this podcast.
2: (laughs) Once we start to broaden our language about sexuality and realise that that it is available to us whenever we like, as long as we're kind of feeling safe and relaxed and sensuous, then it's like literally kind of the next step if we want it to be. And that's where these kind of more specific techniques around pelvic floor pumping or hip movements and cultivating the lower energies in the body will just be a turn on. What are some things that our listeners can do to sort of tap into that? even while I'm thinking about it and because I am talking about my genitals already or the lower chakras, if you will, or the energy centres of the, the womb and genitals, you can even like starting to tilt your pelvis back and forth. And I think a lot of women as well have blocks around sound and movement. So even when you're in yoga class and the teacher starts, you know, says to do cat and cow, like allow that to feel sexy. You know, I can imagine that some people start really get into their bodies and feel sensual and notice that's where the little contraction or stress or like, oh God, am I being like, for me, it's too sexy. For some others, it might be, do I look awkward or whatever? Or this feels really good. I should tame it down or, but nah, no one's hearing that. You're allowed to like be in there and enjoying it. And you know I went through a big stage of like loud exhales making a lot of sound in yoga class and I think it was more about this sexuality journey than it was specifically about my yoga and (laughs) I've been since then my yoga teacher has been like you need to like what's with those loud breaths your your next level of yoga is in the subtlety and and we had a great conversation about sound and women making sound and that being an awesome avenue but yeah not necessarily aligned to the subtle experiences of yoga anyway but yeah making sound and moving freely as much as as you can I would go for it and I would notice where you feel blocked around your movement and sound and then I would if you want come and see me (laughs) and talk a bit deeper about it I would encourage people to go and do those things that might feel a little bit scary. But if you look at the qualities of what you're enhancing, you're enhancing parts of yourself that will be very useful in the bedroom.
0: Why is sex and pleasure so important to your overall wellness?
2: Because sexuality is vitality and that in that way, they're kind of interchangeable that you can use sexuality to make you feel really alive, but you can also use your aliveness to explore and believe and expand into your sexuality. I know from being a woman in this lifetime that we have so much torment about how attractive we are to others. Our sexuality was always the value of our us as young girls and as young women was about what others thought of us and often hyper sexual. We grew up in a world that was over sexualized but very like ridiculously shamed and full of fear and stigma because of patriarchy, religion you know, so much history around an unspoken world. Obviously, it was all about men's pleasure for so long, literally up until kind of the Me Too movement and this like awakening that has I've been around for because when I started this business, it was because it was weird and it was needed. And now it's like, had sex toys in my hands at, at Abbotsford Convent last year at a festival at 10 a.m. on a Saturday morning, <laughs> and we discovered the full anatomy of the clitoris in 1998. You know, it's like I was 17 at that point and 18, maybe 16, something around there. But you know, I was—I'd well and truly gone through sex ed. You know, people around me had been having sex for years. And also on that, like, you know, my mum died in 1995 and I just think the world didn't even know what the clitoris was then. So this is why sexuality is part of wellness because if we're not talking about it we shame ourselves for it and we create more and more blocks because we think it's all so weird and freaky and not allowed but if we were just able to talk about it half of those worries would go away and we'd be so liberated and expanded in this state that we wouldn't even be having this conversation actually working on this project a little bit now and it's very relevant for the month of may is Masturbation Month. And that's also a really good way to de but essentially kind of get to know your body and get to know what it's capable of. And for me, it was through masturbating or through self-love practices. I learned to just be unapologetic about my pleasure and what I wanted and how I sound and how I move. And yeah, so I would explore... Masturbating, And if masturbating triggers you as a term, call it self-love and allow that to be whatever it is from the run that you take or the massaging the almond oil into your skin or touching yourself and having a wonderful orgasm.
0: This has been such an interesting discussion. Sexuality, sensuality and pleasure as a part of wellness, as a part of our overall well-being and outlook. There is so much more to unpack here. I'm so excited that we had a chance to speak to Vanessa and delve into these topics more. And we're releasing this in May and it's... May is masturbation month, so I do hope you enjoy May <laughs> to the best of your ability. <laughs> um, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I can't wait to see you again on the next one. Thanks for listening. Bye. We all misbehave sometimes. Wanna change the
2: world? Indulge in some bad. Hey.